Welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, the show where we dissect the businesses of top producers, examine their growth strategies, and share with you the bare bones of their success. I am your host, Samuel Smith, and I'm glad you're here. Let's operate. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to this week's episode of the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. My name is Sam, I am your host, and today I am joined by none other than the... Oh, bollocks, you made me mess this up. God damn it. Jerry Gherkin. <laughs> yeah, I just went straight to the guy from Frosty's. I went to Tony the Tiger. I'm like, he's, he's got nothing to do with Frosties, man. Fuck. I was like, because I wrote down G-R-R-R. Ah, yeah, notes. yeah, yeah. That's what I tried to tell you. Don't do not do that Jerry Gherkin thing. Oh, man. Jerry Gherkin. Jerry yeah. Gherkin. All right. Well, you know what? Welcome to the show. Uh, Jerry Gherkin, uh, the author of Six Figure Salesperson. He is a member yeah. of Apex. And, um, you know, around here, we don't use the edit button. We don't do do-overs. So I'm just going to leave that uh, phenomenal introduction, best one ever, in there. Jerry, welcome yeah. to the show, brother. That's all good, man. I mean, it, it's really cool, though, in a weird kind of way, because when I get these uh, phone calls from uh, telemarketers, they're like, is Mr. Jerk in there? And I'm like, no, he's not. So... <laughs> So I'm I'm used to it, brother. It's no big deal, really, well, truly. I've lived the life, dude. We we got you started out, man. And I know we've been back and forth. I've I've been knowing you um, close to a year now, um, and just yeah. haven't made it on your show. You are the author of the six figure salesperson, and you've made quite a uh, quite an impression in the Apex group. So let's just jump right in, man. Who is Jerry Gherkin? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I'm from humble beginnings, and I, I, I think that a lot of people in the Apex community, um, and I don't know where your listeners are from, but um, a lot of the people in the Apex community are from humble beginnings, and when you talk about humble beginnings, it's like my, my mom stayed at home, my dad had a modest job, and uh, our community was about pride. Pride, pride, pride. That's what we did. You know, it was all about pride. Did you grow up in a little, a small community or in a big one? Yeah, it was like 3,000 people. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that makes a lot of um, sense. I, I, was, uh, I was adopted, I found out later, um, in, in when I had some recollection, I was adopted when I was 18 months old. Um, I met my biological mother when I was 19, but met my biological father when I was 26. Biological father never knew I existed. That's, oh, a, wow. that's a story for another time. But uh my, my mom that raised me, and I consider her my mom, you know, it's my, my mother that yeah. birthed me, yeah. I, I don't, you know, I, I met her when I was 19 and I met my half sisters and, um, but my mom that raised me always, I always knew that I was adopted and it was no big deal. You know, it really wasn't. It was just like, okay, that happened, but I'm, I have a great life. I'm like, here I am. I'm, I'm in a small farming community in Northwest Ohio. It's all good. Um, but then then as I got older, my mom was like, you want to meet your biological mother? And I'm like, I guess. I, I don't know. I was I was 17, 18 years old. I didn't I didn't really care. It yeah. didn't really make a difference in my life. It wasn't like like life changing for me to meet my biological mother. Well, I did. And uh <clears throat> I was going in the Marine Corps. I was getting ready to go in the Marine Corps. And, and she was like, hey, I love you. And I'm like, 
you love me? I just met you. I don't, I don't, I couldn't reciprocate, you know, it was yeah. kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, but she's, she knew me from birth to 19 years. So as I got older and I understood, but initially I was like, yeah, that's cool. I'll see you later. I'm going in the Marine Corps. But, um, but then as I got older and I had my own kids, I was like, I, I really understood what she was saying that she, she has loved me for all these years. But, um, anyway, went in the Marine Corps, got on the Marine Corps, did some time and some war shit, but we don't need to talk about that. Yeah, um, no saw my, saw my share of whatever. And then I, uh, was a wrestler, a re very, very good wrestler, was an all-American wrestler, um, wrestled in the Marine Corps, and I ended up uh, wrestling in college. And two weeks after I got in the Marine Corps and went to Finley College in Ohio, and I met my wife, and we've been married for 30 years, and I uh, have a couple kids, and that's pretty much the very, very, very abbreviated version. <laughs> you must have been really, really good at wrestling because your ears aren't messed up. You've got lovely ears. I don't know. I, they're pretty hard. They're just not <laughs> like sprinkled, you know. Like I, I have a buddy who who was a Russian wrestler that I met in in the early '90s that he defected from uh, Russia, mm -hmm. and his his ears are like trophies. That that's what they said. He said if you have broken ears, then they're like a trophy. Yeah, yeah. And my ears didn't get broken, although this this one on my right side is pretty pretty broken, but it's just not malformed like his was, where you couldn't hear anything. But mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, so so yeah, I, I was uh, I was pretty good. Um, it, it's interesting though because I I had was on a podcast. I actually uh, Chris Whitehead was on my podcast this morning, the Jerry mm -hmm. Griffith Show, and we were talking about life and evolution and how things happen and it was i can't remember what i was going to say i just lost it <laughs> oh well well chris's name i i interviewed chris a few weeks ago and his name was a lot easier to pronounce than yours <laughs> yeah that's funny i'll give i'll give him that so you evolved into a author and a public speaker and the guy that put together the six-figure salesperson course so that tells me in your life you must have had a trajectory that took you through sales you got into the automotive industry didn't you yeah so when i was uh i think it was like early 20s after i graduated college i got a sportsman medicine degree and i got an education degree and i uh couldn't find a full-time teens job so i married baby mortgage car payments the whole nine and then i'm sitting there like okay somebody's gonna pick me up right i i'm a <laughs> american wrestler i'm yeah. a marine I, i've got all these different you can check all these boxes and then it just wasn't I, I wasn't getting hired so i had seven interviews man and and it was so frustrating because i was going through all these interviews and it was the same thing every time it was it was like yeah you've got all these hats you can wear in our in our school system um we'll we'll be in touch with you in a few days and then i would get a rejection letter hmm. i was just like head scratcher i'm like what what the heck's going on here so 
the last interview I had was like in August of whatever year that was and two weeks before the school was supposed to start. Right. And I, I just point blank the, the administration. I was like, Hey, you know what? You just told me that I can wear all these hats and I can do what you want. And yet you still have to interview a couple of people. And I just said, I don't even know what the salary is. You guys haven't even at, told me what the salary is. Mm-hmm. I'll take the job. And they all looked at each other dumbfounded. They didn't know what to say. And, I, and basically it was like, finally the superintendent spoke up and says, we'll be in touch with you in a few weeks, Mr. Gherkin. And I got a rejection letter. So what that told me was they already had formulated their decision, mm-hmm. but they were checking all the boxes that they needed to check based yeah. on the school board. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so I was, I was out there, I was selling suits at JC Penney's, I was substitute teaching and I was volunteer coaching wrestling at a local high school. And I needed a job. I needed to make money. I had a, I had a baby, I had a wife, I had a mortgage, you know, I had all these other things I needed to take care of. And my, uh, one couple of my boys that I was coaching at the local high school's dad was a general manager of a car dealership. And I would go in there and I would sit around and just bullshit with them. And I was like, watching these salespeople coming in and out. And I'm like, it's like shooting fish in a barrel, man. This is easy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can do this thing. That's how they get and, you, man. Uh, Just hanging out in the yeah. car dealership, hanging out. Uh, yeah. The car right. I, yeah. Like, oh, that was man. something that was, that was in the, you know, I, I, I envisioned that when I was in the kindergarten that I was going to be a car salesman. Um, so I told Jan, his name's Jan Shadle. I said, Jan, I, I need to make money. I got family. I got, I got stuff to take care of. And he's like, well, you can sell cars, but you got to promise me one thing. Mm-hmm. And I said, what's that? And he's like, you need to be a teacher because that's what you're designed to do. That's what your calling is, is to be a teacher. Yes, sir. And so I crossed my fingers behind my back and I said, <laughs> okay, I'll be a teacher. So he gave me a job and uh, <laughs> Sam, it was crazy. The first eight days I was in the car business, I didn't sell a car. Uh-oh. I was like, this isn't as easy as I Dude, thought it's, it was. It's like shooting fish in a bucket, man. What the hell? Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I thought. It's easy as selling cars. But here's the crazy thing, too. I, I remember vividly the first car I ever sold. And I was standing out on the point, as they call it, in the car business. And I was standing there and I was like waiting on the next customer, you know, oh, I'm the vulture, right? I'm going to come out and jump on you and sell you a car. And I'm standing out there and there's an honor among thieves in the car business where you have position. So this other guy was standing in front of me. Mm -hmm. And for for those that don't know that generally old school car lots, like you would stand outside and hang around and one guy would take front position and that would mean the next car that came on the lot was his. And uh, the honor amongst thieves was you, you didn't fight the guy for it. You moved into up position next, right? Correct. Yeah. 100%. Thanks for that clarification. Oh, no worries. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I'm standing there and this guy, and I still remember his name. His name's Dan Sheridan. And I doubt if he's listening, but you know that his name's Dan Sheridan. So now I'm giving you some props, Dan. But uh, he was standing there and he looked at me and I'm like, mother Fletcher, you know, he's got me. And 
I was just fighting to, to sell a car because yeah. I needed to succeed. I, I, I mean, I was an all American, you know, I, I, I was, ex I knew I was a winner, you know, I, I knew that I could win in this thing and I, I wanted it, but I was so frustrated because I'd went eight days without winning. Mm -hmm. It was so frustrating. And so uh, he's like, you, he looked at me and he goes, you haven't sold a car yet, have you? And I'm like, no, he's like, go ahead. So I go out there and I meet this mother and son and they're looking for a car for him. And I, long story short, we take them on a test drive, come back, we go to the desk and they give me the numbers. And I walk into the office and I sit down. I'm like, okay, here's the numbers. And I present the numbers and they're like, okay, we'll, we'll take it. Sam, I didn't know what the fuck to do. <laughs> Cause you're ready for a fight. I was waiting. Yeah. I was waiting for the objection. I was like, <laughs> where's the objection at? And I'm like, uh, I'll be right back. So I jumped up, grabbed my paper, walked back into the office of the used car manager. And I'm like, they said they take the car. He's like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Go, go. you know? And I, so, so that was my first experience. <laughs> go get it. <laughs> so, so then, yeah. So after that, um, I, I can't say that you, the epiphany happened or whatever, but um, I had my my challenges, but uh, become wildly successful in, in the automotive industry and to the point where now I I train salespeople. I train salespeople mainly in the automotive industry, but I I also train salespeople everywhere else. So you came full circle and you kept your promise. You're a teacher. Yeah, that that's what's really cool, and and that's that's what's so surreal about um what we teach other people you and me and mm. everybody that's in our, our arena about how you can have things and they come around and yeah 100 <laughs> percent. i mean it, it it's it's hard to, hard to explain without experiencing it but yeah I, I did come full circle and i i stayed true to my word uh, even though I crossed my fingers and put them behind my back, um, <laughs> I, I, I did, and now I now I teach. I think it's I a still, natural progression. Sell. What's that? It's a natural progression. It's something that's that's within your soul that that makes you want to teach. At least that's that's how I feel. I want to teach, but then you look at a teacher, quote unquote, in high school. You look at a teacher's salary, and you're like, man, I I can't live off that. And then you go find other things to do. You you go have a successful career in sales. But that, I think that passion to teach people and to help people, um, I don't think that's ever gone away from you. You know, I look and now. No, you... I, yeah, I, I find my, it, ironically, you bring that up because I was just talking to uh, Kyle Reed a couple of days ago and he's in our Apex group. And per a conversation I had with Chris Whitehead, I'm struggling with my wife and I, again, I, we've been married for 30 years and then we, we go out on date night mm -hmm. and then I find myself with the waiter or waitress pouring into them. Oh yeah. So they come up and they're talking and they, you're like, Hey, so how you doing? What are you doing? You know, was, you know, small talk. And then the next thing you know, they say something and it triggers. Mm -hmm. And then I'm now the flip has, or the switch has been flipped. That's what I want to say. The, the <laughs> switch has been flipped. Freudian slip. I tried to reverse that, but anyway, so I'm now I'm now I'm telling them what they need to do and how they can do it and all these other things. And I'm just pouring into them all this information that I have inside me for free. Cause I've been doing this for free forever. 
It's just part of who I am as a human being. And I'm pouring into them. And my wife is sitting over there on date night, twiddling mm-hmm. her thumbs, wondering what the fuck is going on here. But you can't so help it. You can't help yeah, it. I can't. And mm-hmm. so I'm talking to Kyle Reed about this and Chris Whitehead. And Chris is like, you know what? I had the same thing happen to me. And so he said, what I did was I had Kyle Reed create this like flip thing where you can just hit your phone with them and then they get got your stuff. So it, it happened again after apex live this last week and i used it and i and i got it to actually tomorrow you know i don't know when this is going to air but actually tomorrow i have a waiter at the country club that we're members of that's i'm going to do a call with that he's a graduate student and we're going to we're going to talk but we started out the conversation and then in my brain i was like you're not supposed Mm -hmm. to do this (laughs) And I so I, I said, all right, man, here's my Calendly link. You want to schedule a call? Let's make it happen. And we did. And now here we are. So it took away two seconds, maybe three minutes, whatever it was from our, my wife and I's interaction. But then I, instead of 20 minutes, yeah, yeah, it, it, it happened. So it, it's a learning process. Even though I'm 54 years old, I'm still learning. I'm a lifetime learner, you know? as as well you should be man i think we we all go that route there was a 90 year old cellist that was asked why he still practiced you know he's like because i'm still learning i think there's mm-hmm. uh there's stuff to be learned but there's many a young man many an enterprising young man has gotten his start as a caddy or a waiter or a bartender at a country club man because guys like you that have made it to the successful side of the the world they want to give back um, and I found as my success has grown, I found that more and more and more of me just wants to give back and teach and train people and, and, and show them the way to do it. So Isn't that um, crazy fun though. Oh yeah. Like when the, when Dude, the lights I, go I, on. I, I love, I mean, I cannot, you know, you talk about like what world would I want to live in and where would I want to be? And I've got, I've got a coaching client right now that is an attorney and he's a professor and his name is Carl. Mm-hmm. And I have coffee with Carl every Monday at 9 a.m. And that's what it is to me. It's coffee with Carl. But I look forward to it because it's such an engaging conversation. And I'm, I'm pouring into his world. Mm-hmm. And this guy is a very successful attorney and professor. But he's got shit. You know, everybody, for all the listeners out there, you know what? Everybody's dealing with something. Oh, God, yeah. And, and you're fooling yourself if you're trying to say, oh, I'm, I'm good, I'm good. Bullshit. Mm-hmm. Everybody's fucking dealing with something. Whether it's your personal relationship with your significant other, whether it's your work, whatever. I don't know whether it's your background in your world, your life. Everybody's dealing with something. And you need somebody in your life that you can be real and transparent with. Oh, absolutely. And, and I love the, I love coffee with Carl because I get my kicks out of it. I mean, I love it. And that's where I want to spend most of my time is with people that want to grow, want to get better and understand that, you know what? We're all fucked up. (laughs) I think that the, the, authenticity and the transparency are what set guys like us apart um 
I love it because you don't get that level of openness at industry events. Um, you know, you don't get that level of openness. For example, I, I sell real estate or shit. I, I used to before I got podcasting and consulting taken up all the time. But my, my, the foundation of, of my business was selling real estate. And, um, you know, being able to take people through a journey from, from one end of their real estate transaction to another, you're expected to maintain a really very high standard of professionalism. And at any kind of real estate industry events, there's never any there's never any connection with anybody that may be failing. There's never any hint of any failure. And what I love from consulting and from the Apex world is the honesty about failure and the way we can look at things that maybe didn't go wrong. Everybody's trying to deal with the same bullshit. Everybody's trying to juggle the same things. We're all looking at income and we're all looking at payroll. We're all looking at taxes. And as entrepreneurs, I don't think we give enough to the vulnerable side of the uh, of, of the lifestyle. We don't open up enough about it. And um, one of the things that I gain immense amount of enjoyments from in, in coaching, and it was a surprise to me, was just how uh, vulnerable everybody actually is. The, we're all out here winning, but the winning's ugly. Every single one of us is out there fighting for it. And I, I think if we can uh, come together and help each other, that uh, creates more opportunity. Yeah, let me tell you something about transparency. It took me a lot of years because, again, going back to my childhood and you were asking me about earlier and being pride, pride, pride. That's mm -hmm. what we did, man. Dude, that's how like, I was pride, raised. Pride, pride. Like, that's yeah. it. That's how I came up. Yeah. It was you don't admit hurt. You, you don't admit defeat. Yeah. You're the man. You, you're the, you can carry this. I mean, that's yeah. just how I was raised. Uh, small town, again, um, rural, but England, different continent, but you know, very similar in in the fact that it was very masculine-oriented. It, it was very blue-collar. You weren't to be seen to cry. Um, that just you, Men didn't cry. That's just, that's just one of those things. I still don't cry. Maybe I'm broken yeah. now. <laughs> um, I, well, <laughs> I, I get I get welled up and, and usually when I get welled up is because I'm passionate. So when I speak, mm -hmm. and that was one of the biggest things that I had to overcome when I when I do public speaking now is is it's it's not a bad thing that I get welled up, but but for the for the longest time, the little chatterbox in the back of my head mm -hmm. was telling me that that was weakness. Yeah. And it wasn't, it, it was passion. You know, I was not crying. I was not like sobbing on the stage when I was talking, I, but, but that was a lie, mm -hmm. you know, and I want you, the listeners to understand this, that there's a chatterbox in the back of your head. that's constantly telling you lies. Yeah. It's telling you what you can't do and what you're not and what you're not going to be, but it's, it's full of shit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like Wiley MacArthur that we, we, we know. Yeah. One of the greatest things that he told me that that I that I use is it that little voice because we all have that little voice in the back of our head and I want to go back to my story in a minute but I I want to finish this thought yeah, yeah is is to utilize that tell make imagine that voice just sucked a balloon full of helium mm -hmm. and then it's speaking to you. And it's talking really like this, really loud voice. 
are you going to give that any attention? No, no. sir. Uh-huh. Absolutely uh-huh. not. But what we do is we allow that sound resounding voice that's very hammerish and it's going to tell you that this is the way you're you know we allow that to happen in our in our in our mind and then it helps us make decisions that aren't the best because a hundred percent of the time that thing is lying to you and it's but that, that's that's uh, human nature and you get to a point in your life where you understand that and you learn to control it but not everybody gets that, that point that, at the same time. That's an assumption, time. man, because yeah, not it, everybody it doesn't gets happen. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't yeah. allow that. A lot right. of people just go through life and listen to that voice, and then they just oh, like, they, yeah. Yeah, they never learn it. They never learn yeah. it. No. No. But, like, you get to that point um, as part of a discovery process and as part of the evolution into being a, a, a different version of yourself. And, yeah, you're right. Some people never get to that point where they understand that there's a voice back there that's deliberately trying to trying to hold them back um anyway please continue with your story man because we got but no yeah let me tell you this let me because mm-hmm. i want the listeners to understand because because you you put me up there as a successful six-figure salesperson sales training program and i appreciate it because that's where we're at yeah but let me let me re- rewind it for a minute and tell you about how I got there because I've not always been there. I've not always uh, been at this level. That's what this show's about, man. Show yeah. us the way. Jerry. So you, you talk you talk about the the surgeon. Here we go. We're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna operate right now. Let's go. Um, so so I I I got out of college. I was a college all American. Wife, kid you know, ready to go and got in the car business, making more money than I would have made as a first year teacher and got wooed into the insurance business. So life, health, you know, investments, did the whole nine. I was like, all right, I can do this. So now I have two kids. My wife quit her job of 13 years mortgage two car payments but i'm a fucking marine dude i can handle this shit i can i put them on my back and i'm gonna make it through it but if you look at the top 10 stresses in life i'm taking on six of them right now all day yeah yeah so i get into this business where you're selling an intangible you know hey if you die your family gets paid you know if you if you get sick you get paid Mm -hmm. So I jump into that thing and me and absolute Citron became very, very close. Oh yeah. 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 So then. Now, how, how old were you at this point? You mind me asking? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm counting to about 33, 34. No, I was probably in my mid to late twenties. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Late, late twenties. So. Thanks for aging me. Well, no, you just said thir- your wife had quit her job of 13 years. I just added 20 to 13 and came up with 33. I you know, just, yeah, yeah. wasn't trying to age you, pal. I, I, I married, I married up. I'm just yeah, trying to, I'm just trying to gauge. Oh, no. okay. I'm just trying to gauge where you were in your, in your journey. <laughs> I'm not going to let you off this one. Anyway. No, I wanted to, I wanted to know how old you were when alcohol fucked you up. Cause I was in my early thirties. There you oh, go. My, I'll, I'll al- say it out alcohol, loud. Alcohol fucked me up when I was like five years old. But when you read my book, you'll understand. Um, 
and that's about that that'll be coming out soon anyway um so i i started drinking heavily Mm -hmm. and then i was always good at cards so i started gambling because i didn't have appointments and i got a wife at home I got kids, I got a mortgage, I got car payments. And at that time... And you're drinking and you got no sales appointments. Correct. Because you're selling an intangible asset, which mm-hmm. isn't particularly enjoyable to sell. No. Because no. It, when you sell a car, or when you sell a house, there's immediate hit of joy for your buyers, which then you get to share in. Yeah. But you must miss that hit from insurance. Cause I get a dopamine hit every time I get a first time home buyer smiling with keys and shit. It's great fun. Yeah. Insurance yeah. isn't fun at all. So the way the, the analogy that I would use is that selling cars is like blackjack. Mm-hmm. Insurance is like solitaire. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, so you got this long, Oh, your next appointment is, and we're going to bring you a proposal and we're going to mm-hmm. do this and we're going to do that. And then it, it's a long drawn out process. Yeah. 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 And then when, when the chargebacks come and that, that was the other part mm-hmm. is, is I would go into my office on Saturday. Cause I was all in, man. I bought a corner office. I had an assistant. I had everything. I was going to freaking crush this thing. I was just like, I'm all in, man. I'm, I'm, that's just how I roll. Yeah. Because, because I believe in myself and I think that I'm going to be the greatest of whatever I do. And I want to master whatever I do. And I think that that's why I went down that gambling road. Um, because I, I figured I could master it. But anyway, I come in on a Saturday and I go to my computer and I didn't know that Mr. and Mrs. Smith and Mr. and Mrs. Jones had canceled their policy that I wrote three months ago. Mm-hmm. And that was a chargeback. So I made all these sales and then Mr. and Mrs. Jones and Mr. and Mrs. Smith canceled their policy. Now I got no money. Yeah. Because it canceled the other policies that I wrote out during the week. And so then it was like, fuck. So now what do I do? Mm-hmm. So my, my addiction, which I know that it was a di- an addiction, was manipulating me at the time, was like, okay, you know how to play cards you you're good at cards and this is the devil talking man it's just Mm -hmm. like it's it's a it's a nasty slippery slope to go down and i'm telling you people that are listening right now it's a freaking nasty slippery slope and lie please listen do not succumb to that temptation because it's it you're not gonna win so I would jump in my car in the morning, tell my wife that I had appointments and I would drive my ass to Canada, which wow. is, which is an hour and 40 minute drive from my, my driveway. Mm-hmm. I would drive to Canada to play blackjack at seven 30 in the morning so that I could hope to win money to pay my bills. That's where I was at because That's, I didn't have any appointments. Wow, dude. Yeah. So I was doing that on the regular and, you know, God will send warning shots. Yeah. 
Yeah. And one will clip your ear, the other clip your ear, and then eventually one's going to hit you right between the fucking eyes. And I'm going to tell you about the one that hits me between the eyes in a few minutes. But the first warning shot that hit me was I was in Canada and I would say, this is crazy, but this is true. I would make sure that I had enough money in my ashtray of my car that I could get back across the ambassador bridge from Canada to Detroit, Michigan. Because when I went into the casino, I, there was no guarantee I was going to bring any money out. Mm -hmm. So I would purposely put $2 and 25 cents in the ashtray, knowing that I could not touch that money because I didn't have any other money. Fuck Jerry. Yeah. And so, so I knew that. So here I am sitting at a blackjack table on a random morning. And the waitress came up to me and said, Hey, Jerry, do you want cream with your coffee? She fucking knew my name, dude. Because mm -hmm. I've been there so much. That was the first warning shot. It clipped my ear. Yeah. And so then I was like, All right. So I confided in one of the reps at the um insurance agency and i'm like he's like yeah you got a gambling problem i'm like yeah i'm a, i'm i'm good i'm a fucking marine man i can handle anything you know you i got it it's no big deal so i got out of the insurance industry because it wasn't working I got back in the car business where i could play blackjack quick hit sell the car busting bugs everything's cool mm-hmm so doing well and then um oh i think it was oh four oh five uh chris moneymaker won the world series of poker oh yeah 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 yeah. he had the glasses he had the really crazy hologram eye glasses so he was the he was the only amateur at that point in time mm -hmm. to ever yep. win the world series of poker yep i remember it because like World Series of Poker had just got optioned, I think, onto Spike TV, and it just started to become super popular. And um, that was one of one of the first times I watched a poker tournament, like all the way through, because this guy was the amateur. He was one of us. Um, he was the guy that sat there and read the books and studied the plays that the the Doyle Brunsons and the Phil Ivies of the world made. And he came from nowhere and won it. So, dude, I remember Chris Moneymaker like. And the shirts he wore, they're just most obnoxious, yeah. like silk, yeah. awful, awful shirts. <laughs> um, well, this cat anyway, comes on yeah. the scene, and then, then I'm like, I'm pretty good at cards. So exactly. I jump yeah, on dude, it, it showed like it was a normal guy like yeah. us that watched it, that went to satellite tournaments like we did. Because I, I got so into poker and drinking whiskey and, and going. It was the first time that a normal guy had won something and it was completely relatable to the rest of us there was a path that we could go out and start a career as a poker player like it right. was there the the television was telling us that i remember getting now i i never did it i had buddies go out and, and start going into online poker rooms and i mean it got huge i i didn't i was i never got sucked in but man um 
Chris Money well, make got, a win I in the World Series. Uh, sorry, go on. By, by no, all means. No, no, no. It's got, your got, interview. I'm just fucking with it. No, man. no, just, no. It's all good. I, man. I remember I, I how strong yeah. that, that and the, the marketing behind the World Series of Poker and how strong the calling was to guys, because I was about 24, 25 when it started kicking off, so you would have been a little bit older how strong that calling was to guys in in that demographic that said hey you guys can go out and play in local tournaments and you guys can win your way to this and and this is a normal person that's just done that and that how strong that calling was so yeah and some good marketing and i was i was that, i was that guy yeah i mean so I, I, we were I the started, target audience I yeah i i started playing and uh it in retrospect, I can rationalize, but in retrospect, it, it kind of helped me through oh, um, oh, 08, oh, 09, the recession that yeah. we had, because I was selling cars, but I was playing poker mm -hmm. because I wasn't selling cars. So at my desk in my office, I was playing poker because there was nobody coming in wanting to buy any cars. But I, I knew in my mind, because that's how we're wired and and i'm not rationalizing my addiction but i understand it mm -hmm. is that we're wired to win and we're wired to eat you know i i needed to feed my family so right, i was right. figuring out whatever means necessary i needed to do to feed my family and i had a wife two kids mortgage the whole nine I'm figuring out whatever the fuck I need to do to feed my family. So I'm playing poker. So dude, there was an eight o'clock, $3 rebuy and a 10 o'clock, $10 rebuy, finished basement, computer, big screen TV in my house. And I had a mini fridge. I was drinking, pissing in a milk jug. This is 8 a.m. or 8 p.m. when these are starting? P.m. Okay. And I would play till 4 and 5 in the morning. Mm -hmm. And if I didn't make the final 4 or 5, I broke even. And then I'd go to work and do it all over again and do it all over again and do it all over again. And that's where that started. You know, I, I always play cards. I play cards for my entire life since I was a little kid. My mom and I sat at my uh, at the kitchen table when I when I was a little kid. I would wake up early before school and I would play gin rummy with my mom. But that wasn't for money, you know. It's no, just for, no. it for the interaction with my mom. But that's where it started, and then it escalated, and escalated, and escalated to eventually at at the point where I had lost more than I made. And I eventually had to come to Jesus. And that's what I'm talking about right here is I would get up at two in the morning, wake up. Now, now I'm in a position where I'm making double what I was making. We've mm -hmm. come through the recession. We, I'm making great money, but I'm still chasing that, whatever that is. That hit? Yeah. 
And, and I think a lot of it has to do with it. And this is, again, not a ra rationalization, but it, it, it's when I, when I was wrestling at a high level, I, mm -hmm. and I wrestled in three, I don't know, that one Olympic, Olympic championship. I, I wrestled in three international champ. I, I, I wrestled at all these different levels. And then when I got done, I was just like, oh, now what? What's the next, next thing? Selling cars? Yeah, it's cool. But it wasn't that euphoria that the, I was that for. that adrenaline, yeah, and yeah, um, you know, I didn't wrestle collegiately. Um, I had a almost ten year period of highly competitive MMA that came about after almost getting in a fight in an office, and I never after I stopped doing it, um, I I never found anything to replace that adrenaline rush and the euphoria of the competition and competing in a in, in in a in a i mean it's a controlled environment but it's a fight environment and i would imagine you, you got the very same thing from wrestling yeah 100 percent. yeah so what once i was done and i hung my shoes up i was like okay so now what's next duh sell some cars hey give yeah, it, it oh. you don't get that hit <laughs> yeah, it was great yeah whatever you know so so I, I was listening to a podcast by Stuman the other day and it really hit me it, it wasn't about the win it was about chasing the win mm -hmm. and that that really was telling for me because that's what i was doing i was chasing the win dude it's funny i'm reading this right now if you see that uh winning tim grover i'm reading it like right now and it's oh tim grover yeah yeah, yeah badass yeah I've, I've uh yeah are you a cleaner are you a closer i, I don't know yet uh, i'm on about page let's see here where are we at uh Page 54, so I'm not sure I'm a clean or a closer yet. People make fun of me because I have a dollar for a bookmark, you know. And um, for me... But if you're talking about books, though. I really like the live shit you're doing with... Um, oh, the, that's the so Richard rewarding. Babylon. That's so rewarding because it's reteaching me the book and reteaching me the principles. No, but you, you know what you're doing, though? What was really engaging for me, and, and I just give you kudos for it because... I sat and watched your ass read for 12 minutes. <laughs> it's just I'm like, fun, man. And, and, and I'm like, I'm like, fun. listen to this guy. I feel like I'm a freaking little kid <laughs> sitting with my legs crossed. And I'm watching this guy read this book, but I can't stop. <laughs> Dude, I love it. I, <laughs> I get so much joy from it, Jerry. So much joy. If only one person. And if it's only you, is sitting there like a little kid with his legs crossed. That's my value. That's what. That's what I yeah. love about doing this and about putting these shows on. And yeah, we dude, I've got thousands and thousands and thousands of downloads now, and I'm so grateful for all of that. But when you rewind it back, it's that one person that just gets one thing out of it. You know how much of a pain in the ass it is to sit on my back porch at nine o'clock every night and remember yeah. to read. <laughs> Like how many plans that gets in the way of, and uh, oh, to, 
And then and then when you fuck up the words, it's it's just it's so difficult. They're all yeah, long dude, and old fashioned. Dude, dude, it's it's perfect because it's live and oh, it's yeah. real and it's authentic. Yeah, you know, I, that's I, what's cool about it. But I, you know, I, the, the, the those, think, those words are not easy to read. But people I, think I, I admire you for doing that. Like they think I'm doing that to 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 somehow magically get business, and I'm not. Business will come regardless. I'm doing it because right. I enjoy reading. I don't read enough. It's the, it's the first, whenever shit hits the fan, the first two things to go are exercise and reading. Like that's, that's it. Like I get so engrossed in work or I'll make an excuse. Reading is like literally the first thing. I'm like, oh, I'll do that tomorrow. I'll just catch up. I'll listen to a podcast. Well, listening to an audiobook and listening to a podcast, you don't have the same visceral feedback you get from touching the paper and holding the book and reading the words and putting them into your brain. Because when I'm listening to a podcast, dude, I can be just miles away listening. And I catch some things in and out, but I don't take the content to heart. And by forcing myself to read out loud, I'm getting things from it. I'm getting the education from it. I'm getting that joy of the... 54 year old car salesman feeling like a cross-legged kid listening i'm getting that so i'm doing it for me it's incredibly self-serving um but my joy comes from giving which as a guy raised in a blue collar environment not allowed to cry that masculinity is the, the biggest thing in the world the fact that i get joy from just giving constantly just blows my mind um my entire life changed about two years ago when i joined this thing called apex and just started um, helping people instead of trying to make money and I make more money now than I've ever made all based on helping people and nothing else which yeah. is just the weirdest thing obviously there is quite a bit of focus on making money I'm not saying it accidentally falls out of the sky but through giving I found great joy and through teaching and, and that reading is just I mean I know we got sidetracked on it but no um, I'm proud of you man I'm, I'm so proud thank you, of you I appreciate that yeah that's that's awesome what you're doing i'm gonna go after we record this and go, go sit on my back porch and read again you know um, it's just, <laughs> yeah, just yeah. one of those things so so let me get to the climax of this yes story tell us about the shot between the it, eyes it's, that, it's the journey yeah it's yeah the swap shot between the eyes um so it's about 2 30 in the morning on a saturday and i'm i'm driving to the casino and my wife's sleeping my kids are sleeping in the morning so like yeah. okay yeah. so i'm i'm i mean i'm fully invested in this addiction and it's just like I, here's what i'm doing it's gonna be 4 a.m by the time you get there dude well now we now we're fast forwarding because the casino now is in toledo which is only 40 minutes away oh so okay my can, bad and so this is this has been going on for a number of years and i've been making double what i was making but pissing away all of it at the casino right. yeah and so it's 2 30 in the morning i'm one exit away from the casino and i get a phone call from my oldest daughter and it came up on my Bluetooth it says Tessa's calling you. And 
I didn't want to answer the phone. I mean, it's two thirty in the morning on a Sunday. I mean, it's just like yeah. I'm one exit away from satisfying my addiction. And I answered the phone and she said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm turning around. And I didn't go back. And that was that, was that kick in the gut that I needed to realize that I was really fucking my world up. Not only from a family standpoint, but, you know, financially, because I was making a ton of money, but I was chasing that, whatever that was, because I felt like, you ever watch those 30 for 30s? Mm-hmm. ESPN, and you yeah. have these athletes that make all this money, and then they, then they piss it away, and then they end up living on the streets or they live in it living at home you know back with their parents and they've they've made all these millions of dollars well guess what that's real mm-hmm. that shit happens and it's not because they make bad financial decisions yeah maybe part of it but but the reality is 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 they're chasing something and if if you don't have a purpose mm-hmm and a, and a belief in what you're supposed to do, then you're going to continue to go down that road and you're going to continue to piss that money away or those blessings away that you get. And it's going to go by the wayside and you're going to reflect back on your dash, which is the time you were born, time you die. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be like, yeah, what, what did I do? Dude, that's, that's so powerful jerry and it's something that i've lived and it's so fucking powerful you to come out here and 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 share it like when there's addiction there people don't realize that you have to have that next hit you have to have it for me chasing shit was way more fun than catching it you know like chasing those wins and I didn't gamble so much in the casinos, but I was incredibly reckless in business. I gambled a lot of money, won a lot, lost a lot, and it's chasing that win. And I don't know if it's something about the character that you and I both have, whether it's the upbringing, whether it's something in, in the, the masculinity and the maleness of it all, but guys like us just, we want the win, and we want that win at all costs. And... I want to know, or I want to tell people that that if if you're listening to this and you're in you're in your twenties or you're in your thirties and you're going through this ringer with business and chasing these wins, man, um, <clears throat> listen to guys like Jerry. You know, he's uh, Jerry. Dude, I think there's so much importance in your story and the ability for you to share it and say, "Look, this is where I fucked up." So, what happened after you turned around? What happened in your life? After you made that decision, after you answered that phone call, how did things start changing for you? Well, things got real. I mean, really, my my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my kids, for me personally, I started pay, 
closer attention to what was vitally important and my wife is watching me right now so it's like really it's okay <laughs> she's like ah i'm trying to be 100% and it's it's uh it's all right she's going to listen to this one i know she's going to listen to it but she's like staring at me and it's like ah i'm trying to be politically correct but don't like you already know we don't edit shit. <laughs> I know, I know what, but what's what's kind of, I don't know, fucking weird. Now she's downstairs screaming. <laughs> We've been married thirty years, man. I was like, well, but she's. I think she just wanted to be engaged in the conversation, but it was distracting to me. So, what changed? Yeah. I bet she's a lot more proud to call you her husband now than she was when you were driving to the casino every weekend. Oh, yeah. yeah. I appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate you because that that is 100% true. Um, she, she uh, but I can't speak for her, man. That, that, I guess that's that's what's tough is how, how does how does everybody else perceive you after you change? You know, I, I don't know, because when when I'm in the mid when when I'm in the midst of this thing, I don't I don't see what everybody else is doing. I'm focused on me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so so when I'm now it's now it's not about me. It's about everybody else. And so completely for me agree. to understand and, and answer that question is very difficult because it was all me centered. Now it's not me centered. It's more about my, my wife and my kids and my, my legacy and, and whatever else we're doing. So it wasn't about me. Well, man, I'm super proud that you managed to, uh, managed to defeat that, that gambling addiction. And, um, what happened with the alcohol? Was there a switch there as well when you stopped gambling or did that bottle of, uh, Citron. So I, I think I think those two go in tandem, and, yeah. and my wife and I've had this conversation because I don't I don't think about gambling unless there's alcohol involved. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I mean, if if I'm not drinking, then I'm not thinking about gambling. But if I start drinking a little bit, then I think about gambling, and so the seventy five hard was really cool for us. Yeah. Because both of us understood that there was no alcohol involved in 75 hard. And so that really gave more clarity. And if you guys haven't that are listening have not done 75 hard, I would definitely look into it, Google the shit. It's it's really cool. Mm -hmm. um, but once we we curbed that alcohol aspect of it, the clarity, the vision, the work ethic, all these other things that we already had that we were like allowing the alcohol to suppress came out and it, it, it was really cool. So for me, the alcohol and the, and the gambling kind of go tandem. Dude, that's a, just, you got such a remarkable story, man. I wish we could dig into it more, Jerry. Um, dude, we're, we're right up on time. 
And I've got all these great questions to ask, but we just, I didn't even read any of them. We just had a wonderful hour's worth of conversation, man. And um, I would love to get you on the show again. I, I feel as though, um, I feel as though we've got two or three more episodes that we could pull out between us, in all honesty. Man. Yeah, so, I, I apologize, man, because I'm sure you have a lot of things that are going on with your questions, but about the, I, I want to talk about what I'm doing now, you know, and we, we just ran out of time, but it, it's all good. I we, mean, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> you know what? Let's go, man. Let it, let's let it go. Let's make your wife wait another 10 minutes. I want to spend, right. I want to spend just a little bit of time on the six figure salesperson course. I want to spend let's just, let's, let's make her wait another 10 minutes. Let's give the audience 10 minutes more. Tell us about this course and the sales training that you do, man. Cause you're making, uh, like I said earlier, you're making quite an impression in the group with your stuff. Yeah. So, so basically what the six figure salesperson is, is, is it's a, it's a course where I can take somebody from zero to 100, 200, 300, 400, whatever you want to make it. And it's a simple, seamless, and easy process. And that's that's what I do. But I've been teaching, like I said earlier in the podcast, it, it, is I've been teaching for years. Mm -hmm. And the, the thing about me, I, I think that separates me from everybody else is that I get my kicks out of watching people succeed. Oh, I yeah. really do. Yeah. And, and that's what I say in my own podcast, the Jerry Gerken show, I get my kicks out of watching people succeed and I have a success stories on all my podcasts. So, so what I do is I train people to do things that they don't think they can do. And we talk about, you know, the crabs in the bucket as Stuman says, but I talk about fleas in a jar, you know, fleas in a jar, a flea can jump three feet in the air. Yeah. A little flea can jump three feet in the air, but if okay. you take 12 fleas and you put them in a mason jar and you put the lid on top, they'll jump and hit the top, jump and hit the top, jump and hit the top. And then eventually you can take the lid off the top and they won't jump out. Even though they're capable to jump three feet in the air, they won't jump out. And the reason why they won't jump out is because they're conditioned to the environment that they're in. Yeah. They believe like you and I growing up a small farming community, you know, we're only allowed to make this much money. We're only allowed to do this because we're conditioned to our environment. Well, that's bullshit. Yeah. And so what I teach people is how to create their own systems and their own processes that they can make six plus figures, seven plus figures. And is it specific to the automotive industry or do you, you work with all kinds of people? You said you had an attorney client earlier. Yeah, I, I, I work with every everybody that's in the sales arena, but I'm really dialed in more to the automotive industry. No, but I, yeah, but I, I mean, I do know. have I do have other clients. It's it's just that I'm trying to focus more in that direction because it's like this shiny object thing. It's like mm -hmm. the, the monkey thing, you know, it's yeah. like over here. I can I can work with anybody. But I'm more dialed into that. The people in their automotive industry. I completely understand. And do you do you chase after individuals, or have you started like making inroads into actual booking with dealership groups and uh, helping them to manage their training? So I have a um, a website with a landing page for automotive, the mm -hmm. automotive stuff, and then 
I have also have a uh, separate um, Facebook page or private group mm -hmm. for individuals. And uh, we'll post those links in the show notes. Yeah, it, it's a six-figure salesperson. Yeah. But I know there's uh, I know there's a couple of guys listen that actually uh, own or manage car dealerships, one or the other. So uh, that might be a good uh, might be a good connection for you to do. All right. Um, yeah. I one think... one thing that I will tell you real quick, Sam, before yeah. you cut off is is if, you out. if one of those one of those auto dealerships want to you know just take take their best salesperson, mm -hmm. their best guy, and let them look at my program and implement it. And then we'll talk from there. I'll do that for free. Dude, I will make those connections, man. Cause that's, that's all life is dude. It's connecting people and it will help the dealers to solve their sales training problem. And it will help you to solve whatever, uh, whatever cash flow coming in the company problem. Perfect. You see, make yeah, more so money the, for everyone. The two, the two things that dealers deal with as far as expenses go is compensation and advertising what mm -hmm. i teach is how you can eliminate the advertising they're going to drive their own traffic you don't have to spend the money they're going to bring the people in the door and the grosses are going to be higher that's, that's what, what she needs to so you you nurture that no like and trust factor yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Let's, let's do let's do relationship selling instead of transactions oh my god i wish everybody would listen to that relationship selling is the most powerful thing in the world yeah like it's just it's phenomenal um so i love it all right jerry gherkin we are up on time my man it's been an absolute blast i know um and i know i know people say this in passing and don't really mean it but i would uh, i would love to uh, put another episode together with you later down the line man because this has been uh, this has been a lot of fun let's do it all right before we get out of here jerry um we will put this stuff in the show notes, but real quick for the guys listening, where can they follow you on social media? Uh, <clears throat> Jerry Gherkin sales and training and then uh, jerrygherkin.com. Okay, we will put those in the show notes. Uh, as always, we'll try and get a link over to the Instagram stuff and you can follow us on Instagram as well, at Small Business Surgeon, if you're not already doing so. I would like to ask if you got something out of today's show with Jerry, run over to his socials, show him a little love and uh, maybe check out some of his stuff over at the sixfigurealesperson.com. Jerry, thank you so much for coming on, man. It's been a pleasure. Always. <laughs> All right, guys, that's it from us for today. I will see you all same time uh, Friday for another episode of Friday Fire. I really appreciate your listening. And uh, as always, guys, if you've gotten anything out of the show, run on over, leave us a review, hit the subscribe button, and uh, share it with a friend because uh, it helps to get the word out. All right, you'll be good. Stay safe, and I'll see you next week. This has been the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. If you've made it this far, you clearly like it. So go on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. This helps people find the show and spread the good word. Share with friends and follow us at Small Business Surgeon on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you for your follow-up next week. The Small Business Surgeon was recorded at Texas Media Foundry in historic downtown Bryan, Texas. Check them out at txfoundry.com or on social media at txfoundry. Thanks for tuning in.